1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here. We are officially live on YouTube. Not actually live live, but we are on YouTube now, guys. Exciting day, even though Chris has an Al Horford jersey in the background. You didn't have to point it out. I, I had to, though. I had to, man. Come on now.
2: Um, look, I, I still have an appreciation for Al Horford. Clearly. Uh... Yeah, look, we're on YouTube. That's awesome. It's very exciting to to start this next chapter of the podcast, and we got some good stuff to talk about today.
3: Hey, you know who else was number 42 on the Sixers back in the day? He still works for the team right now.
1: Yes, he does. Come on. and He also was the one that paid Al Horford all that money. Yeah, great point. It's like an interesting connection there, yeah. Yeah. Well, who is it? It's his album brand, of course. They played together in uh, Atlanta in 2015 coincidental i don't think so you know but we're we're past that That, the process is over
3: yeah well listen guys it's it's been a long time coming and for all the people who were strictly audio and listen to us uh we're glad we can give you another version of us visually on this platform and we hope to bring you guys episodes every monday and every thursday because we record on sunday nights and wednesday nights but let's get into it guys the sixers Got their first win streak of the season. We'll we'll start with the most recent game and work our way backwards. I'm going to go to the Bulls game. I'll pull up some team stats, and then you guys, if you want to go into some specifics of individual players, that's great. So the Sixers won that game the other night, 114-109. It got tight at the end, but... Uh, Joel Embiid came through in the clutch when we needed him. So the Sixers, they shot 49% from the field. Three-point-wise, they edged out uh, the Bulls by just a little bit. They shot 48%, 14 of 29 from three. If I look down at the assists, they gave the edge on assists to the Sixers, steals as well as rebounds. So the Sixers definitely played a a great all-around game. The largest lead for the Sixers was in the first half, they led by as many as 19. So let's start with you, Lucas. Uh, tell me what you thought about the starters in, in this game.
1: Well, after having a phenomenal game against the Raptors, uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Tyrese Maxey came back down to earth, struggled a little bit. But to be fair, Alex Caruso is a lockdown defender, and he did a phenomenal job on Maxey. Joel, it wasn't like a dominant performance. Twenty-five and seven—that's that's good numbers. That's not like MVP numbers, but you know what? He did carry the team, and that's the most important part. That that's really all I. And, and Tobias was efficient. Thirteen points on six shots. I don't think you could ask for much more.
2: Yeah, I, I will say this about Joel. I, I thought it was a pretty great Joel game, especially by this season's very short time window. I know, but by this season's standards, this was one of his better games. I I think with Joel, it's not really how many points does he score, because he's going to score 20-plus pretty much every night, but it's how Mm -hmm. does he get those points and what does he do beyond scoring the ball? And I thought this was a game where he handled pressure really well. He made some great passes. He was looking for teammates. And he just got involved in the offense in ways other than simply posting up at the elbow. He didn't have to work as hard as he normally does. He Ran the pickerel with James a few times with great success. He got involved with Maxie in a couple actions. Like, that's the kind of stuff we need to see more of out of Joel. So I, I thought this was a really positive Embiid performance. Obviously, he's now 12-0, and 0, I think, all time against the Bulls. So that that streak continues. We We got a rare, like, Instagram post out of him. I know he doesn't like to bring out the troll stuff as much nowadays, but I always appreciate it. Mm -hmm. when he does because I I like having fun so I I was really pleased with Joel in this game obviously James didn't get much going as a scorer but he still did a lot of good things as a facilitator Tyrese got going a bit in the second half after a really quiet first half Tobias he's been frustrating me a little bit these past few games I I still think you know he, he, the approach is better. He's taking more threes than he ever has before. I, I, I'm not denying that, but there's still a lot of like the old Tobias hesitance going on when he gets the ball. And it, it, I'm not super thrilled with what I've seen out of Tobias the past few games, but you'll live with it. He's, he's still a very good fourth option. And P.J. had one of his better offensive nights and he did what he does on on defense, which is guard. DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine, so you got to give him credit for that. And yeah, they got the win. That's nice. That's always good.
3: Now the starters, they did what they're paid to do. Tell me what you guys think about the reserves. How did they do in this performance against the Bulls?
1: Well, it's nice to see more than just one reserve hit double digits. You had George Niang with 15. He had a Niang night. You know, we were waiting for it. It finally happened. Then you have uh, Meldon with 10 points. He's starting to get a little bit more consistent. We can, I think he's going to become the most reliable bench scorer. Look, uh, Uriah, you're in trouble now because uh, – actually, no, Chris, you're in trouble now because, um, <laughs> you know, Matisse Theibel got 21 minutes in this game, which I'm pretty sure is more than what Paul Reed has played all so far this season. That being said, <laughs> that that being said, Paul Reed should be playing, not uh, not Harold. Harold did not look good this – tonight, I, I, that night. It's just – I don't understand what Doc is doing. You be you're hearing whispers from these reporters, like Brian Winhorse saying, "Oh, there's a chance that Doc's, you know, Doc's name's being floated around as potential first head coach fired. It could happen." I'm honestly not against it at this point. He's proven that he can't, like, he can't get out of his own way. But it, especially with the rotations here. And, um, you know, we can, we can talk about Isaiah Joe on another night, but, like, we could use a guy like Isaiah Joe, and he's lighting it up for the Thunder. So, yeah, and that's that's partially on Mori, but I'm pretty sure it's also on Doc for not playing him a lot. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Paul Reed point. I, Montrez has pretty much been universally bad this season with a few very minor exceptions game to game. And I, I really don't know what he's done to keep earning these minutes, especially after Doc spent all summer talking about how it was going to be a timeshare. How it was going to be mm-hmm. a battle, how both are going to play. I, don't, I really, it's like, he's just not sticking to his word at this point. So I don't know. It, it's a bit frustrating. I, I want to be clear on Matisse-Thibault. It would be really great for the Sixers if you could play Thibault- 20 plus minutes a night and feel good about it. Like, if he turns into that kind of player, that's awesome. I obviously want that to happen. It would benefit the Sixers a lot. And he's a brilliant defender. No one's going to deny that. And with how their transition defense has been the first couple weeks here, there's obviously some potential benefits to having Fybel out on the floor, especially next to Melton, because those are two guys that fly around a lot and, and can slow things down for the opposing offense. That being said, I mean, like, two points, three thousand twenty-one minutes, it's not like he lit the world on fire offensively, and that's that's where he needs to get better. So we, we haven't really seen much out of Thibel in his time on the court yet this season, as limited as it has been. So we're still kind of in wait-and-see mode on that front. But clearly, Doc is, is trending in the direction of playing Thibel more. Um, I look forward to wearing my whatever Trey Burke jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um yeah, you know it. It's, it would be great if Thibault can like become a good rotation player. I, I, I don't not want that to happen.
3: Well, let me be clear, Chris. I would love for both Thibault and Paul Reed to get twenty minutes a piece, and then we could both wear jerseys and have a tie. Well, I don't them. know if you want
1: if that. If Reed's getting twenty minutes, that means Joel's only playing twenty eight. So I don't know about uh, twenty minutes for Reed, but yeah. twelve minutes a night. Yeah, 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 that would be nice.
3: But I, yeah. I like that concept of Melton and fiable playing together because melton uh i can't believe that we have him he is so good he can dribble drive penetrate dish he's a defensive uh presence out there so thank you memphis for letting us have him they didn't want to pay him yeah that's 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 the long
1: story short
3: (laughs) yeah we'll we'll take him so before we move on to the toronto game i want to ask you guys what you think about chicago you had a chance to see them up close the other night there's no lonzo ball obviously he's been hurt but what do you think the direction of that franchise is going
1: they're stuck in no man's land honestly look like they, they made their moves to try to make a big three vooch is a borderline all-star center who's on the decline though he did he, he has looked good this season outside of this game um demar's doing demar thing but you can't expect him to do that in long term he's 30 what 33 34 like, he, he's been in the league since 2008. I remember when he got drafted. Uh, and Levine has been a walking bucket, but doesn't feel like he really contributes to winning. And the roster's unbalanced. They don't have enough forward depth. Big wings, really. Like, they have good guard play. But when power, one of your best power forwards is Javante Green, who's six, four. No shade on Javante Green, but that's a problem. That's a problem, you know, and you got Derrick Jones Jr. is another one. Like Pat Williams, he's okay, but, like, he's still a third-year player that's really in his second year, and, like, he's still figuring things out. Like, the Bulls aren't going to – they might get to the play-in this year, and they might get to the first round, but, like, I don't see them winning the series. I don't. I don't think it's possible for – not this construction of the team, especially without Lonzo – like Lonzo was their like fourth biggest pickup and they can't like third biggest pickup. And he's his future in the NBA. You're right. Remind, tell me if I'm wrong, but this reminds me of Brandon Roy in some ways with Lonzo's knee. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Portland, Brandon Roy, promising career, a lot of talent. Yeah. I could see that.
1: Yeah. Granted, not the same level of player, but Brandon, Brandon Roy reminded me a lot of D Wade in some ways, but like, the knee problems. Brandon Roy was like an all-star in 2000. What was it? Six? Seven? And then out of the league by 2011. So it's just, I I don't see. They're in no man's land. They gave up their picks, which if they do end up deciding to tank this year, guess what? That goes to Orlando. Orlando's 0-5 right now, I think. And they could very well get Wemben And Chicago's pick, which could be a really good pick too, so. It's just, it was a bad, I, I get why they did it, but it wasn't for the right players, and now they're kind of screwed.
2: Yeah, I, I get it. I, I mean, I think they kind of have run into unfortunate circumstances with just the volume of good teams in the East right now. Like, there's just nine playoff-level teams, it feels like, and if
1: this was, like, five years ago, then they would be, like, a top-six team, no problem. Yeah,
2: I mean, last season before the injuries, it looked like they might be a top-three seed. So I, I don't want to, like, bash the talent there. And it's – it's like, I don't want to view the NBA as, like, title or bust. Like, it's fun to have a good competitive team, you know, that, that wins a lot of regular season games. And, and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are great players. I, I think you're almost – I think you're underselling Zach a little bit by saying he doesn't contribute to winning. I, I – I don't think that's true. I though. mean,
1: before DeRozan got there, had he ever had a winning season with him being the number one? Because DeRozan's the number one right now, Chris. Yeah, let's well, be clear. It's not have, Zach.
2: He didn't have Vucevic. He didn't have Lonzo. He didn't have Caruso. When
1: like, he had Vooch, the year before, the half the season that he before DeMar got there, they were horrendous.
2: Yeah, but like he, he just hasn't had good players around him. That's not really Levine's fault. Like, obviously, mm. they've figured it out with Vooch since then. It, it takes time for all-stars to gel, you know. And, and the reason they were horrendous was probably more on Vooch than it was on Zach Levine. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's underselling Zach a little. I, I think they're a really good team when everyone's healthy. The Lonzo injury, you know, is obviously a big setback for them and it does limit their ceiling and their floor like Lonzo's a really tremendous two-way player when he's out there and he was really important to that defense last season before he got hurt and he would be a real big boost to that defense this season if he is able to get back which we just don't know when or if that's going to happen right now so they're handicapped to some degrees as, as long as Alonzo's out but you're right I mean this isn't a team that's going to contend for the championship they're not going to win the East they are kind of stuck in that unfortunate, like back end of the playoff picture, kind of space right now. And there's no clear path to upgrading in such a way that would give them the boost that they need. So they are in no man's land to an extent. I, I don't, but they're they're like a good, they're an entertaining team to watch. I don't want to bash that, but you're right. They're they're just not going to win the East this year. Yeah, with Lonzo having as many question marks as he does, with Demar getting older. It is fair to ask, like, how long does Zach want to stay in Chicago? In Nevada? I just
1: started an extension, so he's going to have to force his way out if he does.
2: True, but we've I seen think that I... more and more these past yeah. few years. So th- these are the questions that are going to get brought up eventually. But, but, like, right now they're a good team. They're going to, I would guess, make the playoffs. I think they're a solid bet to do that this year. But yeah. let's, you're right. Let's go happy.
1: ahead and switch gears,
3: Chris. So... The team we're going to talk about next is not in no man's land. The team that the Sixers played in the playoffs last season. We're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors game. And if I pull up the stats, it was actually the same night that the Phillies, they took game one against the Astros. I was watching that game and going back and forth with the Sixers, but that was exciting. Eagles undefeated still, by the way, shout out to the birds, but uh, the Toronto game. 112 to 90, much different outcome all around from the play of the the team considering the night before they, or the previous game, they pretty much got embarrassed by Toronto. So field goal percentage, the Sixers shot very well, 52%. For whatever reason, Toronto was not hitting anything that night. They shot 38% from the field. Three-point percentage, 42% for Philly, 23% for – the Raptors. Uh, The Raptors had the edge in rebounds, but the Sixers had more assists. The largest lead for the Sixers was 23 points. And, check this out, the Raptors never led the entire game. So let's start with Lucas. What what were your
1: takeaways from that game? Tyrese Maxey. That's my takeaway. New career high, 44 points, hit 9 of 12 three-pointers, which... Okay, I know it's not a big feat now, but I remember growing up back in, like, the mid-2000s. Like, I remember when Ray Allen hit nine three-pointers. That was a big deal when he was on the Celtics. I I know you remember that, Uriah. Um, So, nine three-pointers is no easy feat. That's 28 points. And it was all on catch and shoots, if I remember correctly. I don't think very many of them, if any of them, were on, you know, off the dribble. So I'm really happy to see that. It shows that Maxie has been working this off season on the three, the shots there. He had floaters. He had pretty much almost everything besides like the creed off the dribble mid range jumper, which, you know, I not the end of the world. If he doesn't have that right now, he's only in his third season Maxie. And I know your said this to me multiple times prior to the podcast, but so I'll say it. I, I, I agree with Uri in and the idea that I think Maxie could be a number one on a team. Now, is that a team of champion conductor? I don't know, but he he can be a number one on a team.
2: Yeah, I mean, like Larry Markin is the number one on his team
1: right now. That the, the and they they have a role. winning record.
2: Yeah, but like like anyone can be a number one option if they're asked mm-hmm. to shoot enough. Like I Maxi could be the number one on on a number of rebuilding teams right now. He'd score a lot of points. He's an awesome player, but. Again, that I, that just doesn't really matter to the Sixers because he's better off not being a number one, and he's maximized quite effectively playing off of James and Joel. Now, maximized doesn't always mean he's scoring the most points, but it, it does mean they're getting the most out of him, and he's in the best role for his skill set. Um, he, he,
1: yeah. t- he is averaging 22 points per yeah. game, almost but, 23 points per game right, right it's now. It's not like just he's FYI. not getting his touches.
2: Yeah, so... Obviously, that's the big standout of this game is Maxi's 44 points. I, I like the small ball starting five. I think Milton works really well with that group. And that's something I bet we see a lot of in the playoffs when Joe's not on the court. Just projecting way, way ahead. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, again, like that, you know, I, I, I really like that small ball group. I, I think it's a good group. James has, has played with Tucker at center before and been quite successful with it. So it's not... That's shocking to see it translate over to Philly. That's a good situation for James. It's a good situation for Tyrese because the floor is super spread out and they have driving lanes. So it's a good good group. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, it was interesting, though. You know, I found, found it interesting. Last two games, James Harden has scored. Uh, in this game was 11 points. I think in the last game it was 14, 15 points. He did it in two different ways. So this game, he was just pretty efficient from the floor in general. He had 11-3 free throws against the Bulls. So I, I find it interesting that James Harden starting to cool off a little bit in terms of, like, being aggressive attacking the rim. And he only had uh, four assists in this game, too. So this was clearly the Tyrese Maxey show, and, you know, I'm all for it. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think Melton was a good insertion. I thought they would be a little small against a really long Raptors team. It didn't seem to matter. Raptors have a hard time creating half court offense with this team Uh, with this lineup. You, you don't give up transition points as much with, you know, Tucker and Melton being able to be back and good defenders. So yeah, I, I, I like it.
3: All right. One more question about the Raptors before we move on. Uh, Listen, Toronto has a really, really nice team. They have big wings. They have guys that can score, shoot, defend great coaching. But based on what we've seen this season with the rest of the NBA, are the Raptors one piece away from being a championship contender, or do you think they have all the right pieces
1: and they just have to kind of get on the same page? That's a tough one because there's two things that you could look at. If you you trust Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet to be able to carry the offense in the playoffs – then, then all they really need is a a low post guy that can defend, that switchable, can stretch the floor. You 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 probably have to trade Ananobi for that. I, I think I think Ananobi's the odd guy out. Just I know Chris, I know you love him. Well, no. I know you love him.
2: There's like, but like if if
1: you're gonna be guarding the Giannis and the Joels' and the East and like the Jokic's and like say they get to the finals, I don't believe that. But let's just say, like you need to have a bigger body. Than that rookie from you know the seven two skin and bones from uh, Arizona Cameroon, or um, you know Kem Birch who is an okay backup. Like you need more. You need somebody that can stretch the floor and is a big body like Serge and Mark wore a few years ago. How many
2: big bodies can actually guard Joel and Giannis?
1: I mean, look, I'm names not names saying there's, the there's bodies, a lot, but I, I'm just I'm just saying like clearly that. They do have a a hole at center there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I just don't know if you really need a low post guy in most matchups because the flip side is true. A lot of other teams will play those guys off the floor if you're not playing.
1: Well, I mean, if they're switchable and they can shoot threes, then no, not really. I mean, look, they could go for Miles Turner. They could go for Miles Turner, who's a switchable interior defender who can stretch the floor.
2: Like, there's not... Okay,
1: but he can he can he can guard fours cuz he did it when Sabonis was there in in Indiana. My point being is if they got a guy like Miles Turner, it's a bigger body that can rebound, rebound better against a guy like Joel and that can stretch the floor and still kind of help them play okay. the type of Flip offense side, and defense Rondo that they want to.
2: has defended Joel better than any other team in the NBA the past few years. Why do they need to
1: change? Uh I I don't know about that anymore. That last playoff series, I would say no, they didn't. Joel still had his way with a broken thumb.
2: Joel's awesome. You're not going to hold the third, fourth best player in the NBA to. 20 points every night but no,
1: oh, okay so 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 okay in your opinion what are they missing if not a center what are they missing
2: i, I think what they're missing is like another high level creator on the perimeter who can get his own shot and get the half court offense so
1: so play. you think they they should be if a, let's say kevin durant at, decides to ask out again they should be on the short list of teams that should ask for him? Yeah,
2: every team should go for kevin Durant. well of course but yeah
1: like, every team but you get what i'm saying like a guy like kevin durant or shea yeah. gilgis alexander or I'm trying to think of other yeah, disgruntled Shea, stars. Donovan
2: Mitchell, they, they really should have thrown their hat in the ring for him more. Like, like those are the kind of guys they should mm-hmm. be going after. They have the pieces to swing a big trade. They have a lot of depth and young talent. Like Those are the guys they should be looking
1: at for sure. Um, I, well, what, what about you, Uri? You're the tiebreaker here. Big man or creator? Wow. I really don't have an opinion, believe
3: it or not, because what? I I I agree with both of you. I think that's that. I think I see your point with having someone that can can do a little bit more against Joel and Giannis, but Luke, uh, but Chris's point of how many guys can really do that that are out there. So it's and they mm. and they do defend Joel pretty well. They fluster him. He doesn't take. He doesn't have efficient games like he does against other teams with with weaker defenses. So. So I'm I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. But let's let's move on and let's get to the next topic. All right, so I want to ask you guys, and actually we'll go to Chris this time first. Chris, in terms of player performances from the Sixers so far this year, there are a lot of guys who have high expectations on them because of the money they make or the acquisition deal that was done to brought them to bring them in. My question to you Chris is this, which 76er in your opinion, and you can only pick one, who has not met expectations yet for you?
1: Um that's a that's a good question. Um you were kind of talking about somebody earlier tonight. Yeah,
2: I, I mean I don't know. I I didn't really like my expectations for Trez with that he would be the oh no
1: i wasn't talking about trez
2: he's the third best center on the team
1: i thought you were i thought you were gonna go with tobias
2: yeah that that's fair i i would would say tobias has been like a slight letdown not that again he's just doing stuff we've seen him do his entire career it's not like some shocking new flaw but i i don't know less of it he, he is doing lots of it. I, I just don't know if he's really, truly built to be, like, a proper role player. I, I still think he he gets a little bit too involved in the offense sometimes for his own good. And that's, that's just the nature of having so many good ball-dominant offensive players on the same team. It's not even fully 100% his fault necessarily. I was about to
1: say, yeah, he's just an overpriced floor spacer at this yeah. point, which is, yeah, it's not really his fault.
2: Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, so, sure. I, I guess I could say Tobias. Um, sure. Tobias Harris is my answer. I, I, I just. He hasn't been great to start the season, but I'm sure better stretches our ahead. So,
1: we'll see. Can I go unconventional here, Uriah? Doc Rivers.
3: No, player performance, not.
1: Coach. Oh, come on. Okay, come on. fine. Fine. No, go fine. I asked do if I know. could go unconventional. I okay. So, no unconventional.
3: Unconventional is the mascot not coming through and <laughs> doing his job. That's unconventional.
1: I, I would never go after the the little dog guy. I couldn't do that. No. Franklin. Um, Franklin. Yes sorry i wanted to call him hop. benny but i want i wanted to call him benny but then i realized that's your dog's name they should bring um, back hip-hop this year where is bunny. benny is benny here
3: tonight or is he is he with your wife benny's not here he's oh he's downstairs he's downstairs okay. do you guys remember hip-hop the the scary bunny oh yeah yeah
1: He was, that yeah that nah. was he was almost as scary as gritty and I don't know if you know now that that Pelicans mask that first year, that Pelicans mask mascot was the scariest, man.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll get yeah. you that one.
1: Yeah, no, okay, so if I can't go Doc Rivers, um, I have two. I'll go with the obvious one and say Trez, but I, I kind of want to say Daniel House, but I'll I'm, I'm gonna leave Daniel alone. I'll go with Trez because I think with Trez. We were all expecting, okay, he was averaging, what, like 12, 13 with the Hornets last year, and we were expecting something similar to that. The guy has maybe hit double digits once this year, and I get it. He's not playing as much, but at the same time, like, if you're not going to play Paul Paul Reed for his defense and you're going to get Trez for the offense, then he has to be averaging more than, like, I don't even know what he's averaging. I'm gonna to have to pull it up here for a second. And give me give me one second, guys. But no, like he's not it. wait, who are you looking for? Harold. He's averaging he's averaging two points per game, two point seven points per game. Yeah. Like Paul yeah, Reed but... can give you more than that. So yeah, Trez, you were former sixth man of the year, averaging like almost 20 points per game. Like I get that you're playing behind Joel, but you like you have one of the best playmakers. You're not offensive rebounding. What the heck are you doing?
2: Nothing. He's like a black hole at this point. He's, he's just been bad. He, like he's,
1: he needs to be cut. He needs to be cut. You know what? I'd rather have white side. If we're not going to play Paul Reed, I'd rather have white side because at least he can rebound oh. and block shots. Yeah, maybe.
3: Maybe. I'm, I am actually going to say Daniel House Jr. I have his numbers right here. Seven games, okay. 15 minutes a game. Field goal percentage, 41%. Three-point percentage, 27%. Mm. Points per game, two points per game. He he he's barely averaging a rebound, like point zero nine assists, point uh, three steals, point zero point one blocks. If you are going to take Thybul's spot, you need to be putting up numbers. That's all I'm I, I am saying. I am really disappointed Agreed. in House Junior.
1: Uh, you so, know he he has been playing good defense. Um, I, he yeah. does go through cold spells. As a guy that watched him in, in Phoenix when he first got to the NBA, he does have cold spells
2: yeah i i mean i think he he definitely has a reputation of like running hot and cold and Mm -hmm. like it's been seven games it's pretty small sample size the shooting's gonna come around like he'll regress to the mean so Uh,
1: i was about to say he's an average what 35 36 for his career something like like that
2: like it's it's i think it's too early to say that he's like washed out and is never going to perform well like
1: He's still a he lot like, more on. than
2: Thibault offensively, even when he's not scoring. He, he just poses a different kind of threat than Thibault. Defensively
1: respect him.
2: Yeah, he's a much better like passer. He, he controls the ball better. Like There are things he does that Thibault just can't do. So I I don't know if... Like, Thibault has never put up numbers, so saying that whoever's going to take his place has to put up numbers, I don't know if that's true. But, I just, I just
3: want to add, before we move on, um, I looked at the... All the all 10 all defensive players that won this past season, Uh, all 10 were on teams that made the playoffs, and nine of the 10 actually advanced to the second round. So to have a guy riding the bench uh, like Thiebel, who's one of the top defenders in the league, I don't know. just doesn't make sense to me just because well, he's all not those an, guys just because he's than. not an above average three-point shooter I think that's there's so much emphasis on his three-point shooting
2: well that, it's because it's really important in the league today especially it's when important but it's not the
1: end-all be-all it's important it, it, it wouldn't all. be if you didn't have Joel if you didn't have yeah, Joel I mean, okay you could fair. live that's yeah the fair.
2: other nine all- NBA defenders are all significantly better offensive players than Matisse
1: that's also true
2: just better overall like, he's not on the same level as those guys. It's just what it is. All right. That's I mean, if good, you can name
3: one. That's a good retort. Better. But let's move on. Speaking of improving, uh, let's go to the opposite of, of the previous question that you guys entertained. Of the people that you mentioned who did not meet your expectations, who is most and less likely to recover and have a solid season? Well, like all the people that we all talked about, who do you think is... Most Chris, you impressive? can go first.
2: Um. Yeah, I I would say, like, least likely is, I guess, Trez. I'm, I'm just not buying into Trez at this point. And I just don't know if I believe in him at this point. Um. I, I think Tobias is going to have better nights. I, I think we're probably, like, he's averaging 12.7 or something points per game right now. I think that's... I don't think he's going to shoot up much from that. Like, I think that's around what his you know, share of the offense is going to be moving forward. Uh, I would say Tobias is likely to have some better nights. I, I think as this defense learns to play together more that Tobias is going to get a little bit more comfortable with the new scheme and stuff that they're trying so he'll look better on defense. Like, I, I'll say Tobias is most likely to, to recover quote unquote. Again, he's shooting 41% from three on the most attempts of his career. It's not like Like he's been terrible. So uh, I'll say Tobias. Um, But I I do think like house, if he stays in the rotation, which I think he should, we'll probably have much better nights ahead as well. So both those guys are are candidates in my mind.
1: Yeah. I'm going to agree with Chris on the less likely Trez. He shouldn't be on the Sixers. He's one of those players that should probably be on a bad team that, that he can put up stats on. Not a, not a contender. Um, in terms of most likely, I'm going to go with House. I think I trust House. I've seen him do it before. Sometimes he needed a change of venue like last year. Sometimes he just needs a little bit of time to get him get himself situated. He didn't come out into uh, Houston looking great. Took him a little bit before he got started. I'm, I'm okay with waiting on House. I think Tobias is also a good candidate, but – Look, he's the fourth option. He's going to have good and bad nights just based off of, you know, it's, it's Tobias. So I'm, I'll, I'll take the other end and say House just because I've seen it happen before. I'm, I know House will find his footing at some point. All right.
3: So the last segment of our conversation tonight revolves around things going on in the entire NBA. We're going to call this Across the League, and we'll have some fun with this. We'll go to Lucas first. I'm going to give you each a sentence, but it all starts with the same uh, concept, and then you're going to finish the sentence with the name uh, or at least the idea of what's going on with that franchise. For instance, if I say, oh, my God, are you serious? The Philadelphia 76ers, you finish the rest, and you go from there. But we're not going to do Sixers right now. Let's just go around the league. Let's start with you, Lucas. Oh, my God, are you serious?
1: The Orlando Magic are tanking for Victor and already. Look, I I, I like, uh, well, look, they're 0-5 already. Bol Bol has been looking fantastic, by the way. That was a great pickup the game, for them though. last season. I think yeah. they won. The they game. might have won one game, but look, they're one not going to yeah. one in five. My bad, one in five. So, so here's the thing: like, even if they, they're without Cole Anthony, they're without Markell, they're without Jonathan Isaac. That's three really good, important rotational players. I like Paulo Bancaro. It looks like he mm-hmm. he was the right choice for the number one pick. Now Ooh. looking forward, nice. I mean, I know Chris hasn't. Yeah, you know, I, I know Chris. You love Chet, but like. We we gotta look at what we have right now, and it's Palo. Look, Palo is averaging mm-hmm. I think what around like twenty four six and six or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact stats. I'm just I, I based off of what I've seen in box scores. That's what I'm guesstimating. You're right. Correct me if I'm wrong later. Um, but no, I I, I like Palo Bancaro. I like Bol Bol. They have some really good pre Franz. Obviously Franz Wagner. They got good pieces, but they're just, it's not. Getting into winning, I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's the injuries. I'm not sure. But they should be tanking for Paolo, not only for their own pick. But, look, we talked about the Chicago Bulls. Things could go off the rails really quick. Huh? They already
2: tanked for Paolo. You said Paolo. Not Paolo,
1: sorry. I mean tank for, um, for one banyana. Look, if you can have Paolo and one Bignana on the same team along with the rest of that core, that's – That couldn't have put you in a really good place. And look, Orlando will get another dominant center just like Dwight and Shaq. So,
3: Chris, how about you? The Orlando Magic. Boom.
2: Are super cool. Like, as far as one in five teams go, they're far more entertaining than the other five teams in the East right now. So, I really like the Magic, man. Paolo's awesome. Franz is awesome. Wendell's awesome. Bull, bull. They're playing like three, seven-footers at once all the time. That's awesome. I'm all for it. I, I love long, young teams that do weird things. Um, obviously, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Marco are all hurt right now, which is a bit of a bummer. But
1: Johnson, once those guys I
2: get back, all, all three have, have a lot of potential in different capacities. So it's a very exciting team. I like watching them. Palo's the front runner for Rookie of the Year right now. He's probably going to mm-hmm. win because that that he's going to continue to just dominate touches in that offense. So,
1: is he a three or a four?
3: He's a three. I say three, but he can play
2: four. That's what I think. What do you think, Chris? Three yeah, or I, four? I, I think defensively, he's probably more
1: of a four. So, but offensively, he's a three, right? Yeah, I, I mean, okay.
2: That's like
1: Orlando's some- weird with all their six ten guys. It's hard yeah, to tell.
2: I I just don't think positions really matter that much anymore honestly like three four there's not much of a difference for most teams like cam johnson is the four in phoenix right now he's a wing the yeah. same as Mikael is they're the yeah. same so um yeah Paolo, palo's gonna like run the offense a lot he's gonna have the ball in his hands and he's gonna defend power forwards or centers or bigger guys because that's just his position on defense it it's all the same it all runs together Either way, Magic are awesome. Very cool team.
3: All right. Let's go to a team that on paper is supposed to be not winning games. But let's go with this statement, Lucas. Here we go, man. Oh my God. Are you serious? The Utah Jazz
1: are playing them out of the themselves out of the first overall seed. I mean first overall pick. Okay. Draft pick. Okay. Look. They, I don't I don't think anybody expected this, but you look at the veterans on their team, they do have good veterans. I mean, Lauren marketing is, like, showing off why he was a lottery pick. Colin Sexton's coming off the bench. Jordan Clarkson is just like, I'm 30 years old. I'm going to decide to show off my point guard skills now. Mike Conley still has something left in the tank. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Jared Vanderbilt's a good player. Like, they have a lot of – and Kelly O'Linick hasn't looked bad either. So you take all that into account – Um they need, if they want to try the tank for uh, for Wembenyana, they need to make some trades and make it quick. Yeah, I agree. I Chris. think they need to call the Lakers, see if they can get those two picks from the Lakers and give them whatever the Lakers, however much it takes to get Russell Westbrook there. So that's that's what I think they should do. Chris,
2: yeah, I think the Jazz are legitimately pretty good. Like that's the thing. If you want to tank. You probably shouldn't have five accomplished veterans in the starting five and a lot of really good depth pieces. Like They've just built a pretty decent team. Now, they don't have the star power to ultimately contend, but they have more than enough talent and balance on both sides of the ball to win a lot of games. Like Conley is still a pretty good winning player, and he's going to make guys better. And Lowry Markinen showed flashes in Cleveland, and he looked really good. In Eurobasket over the summer, and he's paying off, you know, tenfold what expectations were coming into the season. He looks awesome. He, he looks more than ready to carry a big share of that offense. So they have a guy who's breaking out in Lowry. They have Colin Sexton, who's going to probably get more minutes as the season goes on. I mean, that's one way. If you want to win fewer games, maybe put Sexton in there over Conley. <laughs> like, that's one way to maybe tank your record a little bit because I, I, I still think Conley's a better player right now and but like sexton looks awesome off the bench no no shot at him so they have a lot of good players and I, I think they're a pretty good team right now as currently constructed like i don't think it's all a flash in the pan early season we can write it off like i don't think they're gonna win the west but they, they can make the plan if they don't make any moves like they're, they're a good enough team to do that so
3: all right, we're going to go to another Western Conference team. I had Portland, but I'm going to skip Portland. Let's go straight to uh, the purple and gold. Oh, my Ugh. God. You can't be serious. The Los Angeles Lakers
1: are a dumpster fire. <laughs> Look, even if you got rid of Russ, which, which Russ is part of your problem, the roster's still pretty horrendous. You don't have an above-average shooter outside of LeBron James. And that's sad. Like, Pat Beverly doesn't look like he can shoot anymore. Anthony Davis clearly has lost his shot. I, you know, Jay Williams on NBA's, uh, I mean, ESPN's first take said that either you trade it, go all in, trade Russell Wilson and the two picks, not Wilson, sorry, Westbrook, or you trade everybody, all the stars on the team. I think that's where you're at. Like, look, you need to get, you need to start, you know scorch or earth start fire and here's the crazy scary part guys they don't even own that pick this year they're own 5 they're one of the teams tank- technically tanking for Wimbenyana. and if they do and they get you know they go into lottery guess who gets the pick pelicans the pelicans you talk- could you imagine yeah. Wembyiana with Zion and Brandon Ingram i know chris is going excited but like seriously that would be the ideal like fit for <laughs> please. him <laughs>
0: please please <laughs> i want it so that bad.
1: would be fun that would, would it totally would be fun,
0: and it's totally possible
3: too. That's like NBA 2K Live, like it's like a video game. Chris, what mm-hmm. do you think? Oh my God, L.A. Lakers, what?
2: Um, suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're just not very good. They're they're wasting one of the precious few years of LeBron's career that we have left, which is kind of unfortunate. Like I
3: was late on my mm-hmm. drum, my drum joke. I'm sorry. Yes, you were. No, it, good. Yeah,
2: like I, I would. It'd would be preferable for LeBron to be on a semi-competitive team at this point in his career because he's like thirty-seven, thirty-eight, and we're getting up there. But Lakers just aren't very good. They haven't built a good team. Now, if they can flip Westbrook for multiple good players for some reason, then they should do that. But Westbrook's really bad. So I, I I don't know if it's not like his trade market is improving right now, and they might have passed up on some of their best opportunities already. So
1: yeah, look, I don't if uh, if I'm Indiana, I'm asking other teams for something better because I think you could get better than that for Buddy Heald and and Miles Turner. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Agreed.
3: All right, the last statement we know we can't leave without talking about this team. Uh, Oh, my God, are you serious,
1: the Brooklyn Nets? Haven't fired Steve Nash yet. Ooh, okay. Look, Steve Nash is not the guy for the job. Clearly was one of the best point guards of all time. I'm not debating that. But he was a rookie head coach thrown into one of the most toxic franchises. KD's probably going to ask to get traded again at some point. Ben Simmons looks like he's never going to be an all-star again. Like he his season high is now like nine points. Like come on guys. Like he he airballed a layup. Like yeah, I can airball a layup. I'm five ten. He's, He's six back. ten. He's back, I man.
2: would like to point out that Joel airballed a layup against Chicago.
1: Okay, I think that was an homage more or less. But <laughs> my point being, my point being though, look the and Kyrie's already saying. Uh, Backing up anti uh, anti Semitic stuff, which is really con- controversial. Um, I'm just I I don't know the full story on that. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But like they they look bad. They they can't do any trades to get better. It's it's bad. I I think you're going to fire Steve Nash. You might end up trading KD and Kyrie during the season if you trade KD. That's exactly what the Lakers want because then you can trade what Westbrook for Kyrie, and that could kind of save their season, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, the, Yeah, that's my that's my take.
2: Yeah, like I mean, I'm really getting to the point with Kyrie where it's like he probably shouldn't have the platform that he has, and there are like issues beyond basketball, but. Yeah, for Brooklyn, it's like they're kind of genius because if you can put Wim Banyama next to uh, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. I don't
1: right think here, they right? own their pick this year. I think the Nets have Do it. Do they
2: not have it like top one protected?
1: I don't think. Uh, I'd have to look it up later. Well, they I can mute myself and look it up now.
2: That they got from James. So it's Philly's pick that's actually going to Utah this year. So I don't know what the protection... I feel like Daryl protected his picks. He made a point of doing that. So if they tank too bad, maybe Philly gets Wimbenyama. That's the ideal outcome. I Don't quote me on that because I haven't done... This is all off the top of the dome, so it could be wrong. But that'd be cool, wouldn't it? It would be interesting.
3: That would be interesting. They're going to be
2: teammates in the French national team anyways. Right. Um, yeah. Let me um, let me
3: jump in here Chris. Oh my god, okay. the Brooklyn Nets. Nothing to do with the team. Oh my god, are you serious? The Brooklyn Nets fan base now knows what we went through for several years. And they were all on social media talking trash about us Philadelphia 76ers fans like, "Oh, we're so mean, we're unfair, we're we're this, we're that." And all we wanted Simmons to do was to play his heart out, wear his emotions on his sleeve just a little bit, let us know that you care about winning as much as we do. You make it $32 million a year. So my thing is, like, Brooklyn fans now know how frustrating it is to support a team that has Ben Simmons on it. Lucas, did you grab that stat? It's all right. Luke, Chris, you want to Yeah, I found it. I found it.
1: So they have... So for 2023, incoming incoming draft picks-wise, it's either from uh, – so they have outgoing to either Houston or uh, Utah for their uh, – the, so for the Sixers pick that's going to Utah or Houston, it's basically whichever one's the best one goes to Houston. So if they have their own uh, first round pick. Yeah. So Houston receives the more favorable between its pick and Brooklyn's. All
3: right.
1: That that's that's pretty Good much what dancing. happened. <laughs> so it's a pick swap. It's a pick swap. So they they can't even tank for Wembanyama. Yeah, um, Cuz Houston will get it.
2: You know, I I mean I will say I I think the Ben Simmons experience in Philly overall was probably much more positive than the one in Brooklyn so far. But yeah, yeah, uh, I can say that. Like it's been seven games, six games, whatever. It's been like again, we should probably pump the Brinks a little bit. But they're one in five. It looks pretty rough. I don't think Ben and Claxton mm-hmm. can play together sustainably on offense. They got some stuff to figure out. Maybe some trades to make. It's time to start looking I, at that stuff now. If you're Brooklyn, they
1: gotta start looking at guys I mean, like Whiteside. Coaches,
2: I agree with that too. Yeah, no, Whiteside. Yeah, they can need to get Ben either.
1: Well, a, I don't know who you trade for. That's a stretch five. I mean Miles Turner, but you don't have the ammo to go after Miles Turner. Yeah, I think unless Plaster you trade is Ben,
2: legitimately very good. So yeah, he could be the centerpiece theoretically of a trade for another good player who just fits better. But they they got to figure something out.
1: Uh, money is also the issue there, too, because Claxon's yeah. on a rookie deal.
2: But Joe um, Harris is making 18 million. Seth is making yeah. You can package guys together.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right. But then you cool. get rid of all your shooting. But anyway, I think on that note.
3: Yeah. But well, before we go, Chris, I'm going to be sending you a trade request. We're going to see how much you love Josh Giddy and Evan Mobley because I'm going to package them in a deal. But there's one guy on your team that I really want.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll you right. Joelle for josh giddy and evan mobley
3: no what you give joel for for those guys
2: no i wouldn't no
3: That's, no i know <laughs> it's not it's not a okay. bead. it's not a bead. Okay. all right this was oh. fun guys this was fun our first yeah i like to interview. have it's us fun. on youtube that was fun chris take us out man
2: yeah to all the listeners and viewers of the six Your since podcast thank you for tuning in to yet another episode our first youtube episode As always, please like, subscribe, follow along if you can on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all that stuff. We would love to have your support. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense and we are on the web as well at the SixerSense.com. So fire up your browser and look us up. So peace out guys. Later this week, we'll be back to talk more. You can look at our beautiful faces again, which is going to be a lot of fun for you guys. I'm sure. (laughs) peace out go sixers we'll talk to you soon let's go guys